We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 9 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, joined uh, by my man, uh, Ian. Ian, this is it's been a fun season. There's always uh, a season full of injuries. The running backs have made quite the comeback. They, they weren't really doing anything for the first couple weeks. Now you got to have the 16 running backs that all score 30 fantasy points a week. It's just, uh, it's been a strange season, but a fun one, a good one, and uh, happy to see it continuing. It's a week-to-week league, Brent, some might say, and here we are already in week nine of it. So plenty of injury stuff already flipping the sleigh on his head, as uh, Peter Overset might say. And yeah, got a lot to talk about here. So great day, be great, Brent. Yeah, it's uh, fun. Let's jump right into this. We're going to go into your article over on Pro Football Focus, the mismatch manifesto uh it's an article ian does every week for those that are new uh either to the show or the podcast uh you do need a subscription to get it so he gives it away here for free and on twitter uh but let's go through this we like to talk about different statistics offense defense all matched up together the first thing we talk about is explosive play rate Uh, i like this sometimes I, i i like to dabble in the uh over under longest catch markets the mm-hmm. over under longest rush markets so you can use that for that you're looking for splash plays and dfs what is standing out this week my man 
Yeah, just generally any first-time viewers, blue is good, red is bad. Used to use green is good. Found out that was not cool for the colorblind folks out there. So trying to make this as easy for everyone. And yes, on the left side of these charts, you can see the pass play rates. And then on the right are going to be the runs, of course, relative to home and away. So good passing offenses this week. Lions, Falcons, and Patriots especially set up well. And I know we're not getting the Falcons, you know, really giving us much volume there. But in Detroit, don't look now, but Amon Ross St. Brown all of a sudden right back in that absolute vacuum target hog mode with TJ Hawkins now the picture and DeAndre Swift apparently still playing at far less than 100%. And Jacoby Myers with the Patriots, man, with Mac Jones under center, averaging over nine targets per game over the course of his last nine or ten games with Mac. I do think both those guys are cash game viable. On the other side of things, the Jets, the Buccaneers, and the Bills are standing out as passing games not set up that well. I'm sure we'll be talking about Josh Allen plenty when we get to the cash discussion, but this could be interesting, man, where no, I don't think that Sauce Gardner and company are going to be completely shut down the Bills and Josh Allen, but maybe we are going to see them get to their usual point totals from a different pass of Dawson Knox, perhaps. Maybe some of these new running backs are catching the ball more often than ever because the Jets really do have themselves an awfully good uh, you know, trio of corners that they're trotting out there each and every week. Uh, I've got the list of the quarterbacks the uh, Jets have faced. Maybe I can change your opinion on okay. some of that. That's Once fair. we get to that, let's just say it is not great. Uh, That's fair. Not, not so great list. Uh, all right, let's go a little bit further in your article. We like to talk pace. We like fast-paced matchups, more snaps, more fantasy points, more props to go over. What's looking good? What's looking bad? Uh, I guess I want to start with the bad first is this Green Bay at Detroit game because Detroit's defense is so bad Yeah. and Green Bay plays so slow. What's going to give here? How are you handling this from sports betting, DFS, every angle you can think of? And Detroit's been pretty pretty middling and pacing their own, right? That's why they are popping as easily the slowest game, not, you know, including Sunday and Monday night football. So, hey, if it's not going to hit this week for the Packers, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to. I mean, hopefully getting a healthy Alan Lazard back because I do think that's the one thing in Green Bay that we're not really giving enough kind of credit to Aaron Rodgers with because this was a wide receiver room that we all pretty much mocked going into the season. And now that very same wide receiver room has been panged up nearly at every single uh, spot. Here we are, you know, just nine weeks into the year so if we didn't like the starters out there yeah it's not shouldn't be that big of a surprise that the backups aren't doing anything else for us so this is obviously league worst uh, line scoring defense and just between Akuda and uh, Amari Aruwarie that's always a tricky one to get out there but those guys just haven't been able to stand up to outside receivers all season long so again Aaron Rodgers haven't quite gotten that blow game just yet I would think that's going to be this week if ever because yeah maybe you know the overall play volume isn't going to be there but this has never been a Packers offense that's wanted to move the ball extra fast they need to get there on efficiency and to be fair i do think in that bills game even though the score didn't necessarily reflect it we at least saw some more flashes than usual aaron jones on the ground continuing to do great things and even romeo dobbs out there making some big plays a couple matchups that should be moving a little bit faster bills and jets you know more reason to believe that josh allen and company could get right despite the uh, tough matchup that Britt obviously thinks a little bit fraudulent, but more on that a bit. And then also Panthers at Bengals popping a little bit. I would say, you know, maybe going back to this Bengals stack in tournaments could be the good move because everyone got to see them, you know, kind of blow up Monday night against the Browns. And yeah, it wasn't fantastic. It's also a one game sample size. And as you know, as competitive as the Panthers were last week, they also let the freaking Atlanta Falcons, you know, score 37 points or whatever it was out there. So Joe Burrow and company, I mean, the last two trips they had against NFC South teams certainly went their way. I wouldn't be shocked at home if they get back on track here against Brian Burns and company. Yeah, I like that too. A couple of key defensive pieces out for Cincinnati, I believe, in the secondary. So DJ, uh, let's DJ go. DJ Moore week. Uh, 
they just don't raise his price on DraftKings at all. So I'll run that one back. Uh, anything else standing out? Uh, I'm just taking a quick peek. The Kansas City game, New Orleans, we don't have to play that, at least on the main slate. Minnesota, Washington looks pretty slow. We're, I, I'm used to seeing a lot of blue. Is everyone just playing slow this year, Ian? Yeah, it really overall, yes. I mean, usually it's it's wild. The Eagles and Texans only game that we're seeing below 60. I mean, I remember in the past we have when we've gotten like top five matchups here, the combined pace is much, it's like 57 or 58. Yeah. So really is wild how uh, how slow and lame some of these offenses have uh, been becoming. But yeah, we already missed the fastest one on Thursday night. So maybe next week. All right, let's go to pressure rate. We want our quarterbacks uh, standing up. We want our defenses to get sacks uh, and maybe avoid those particular offenses uh, from fantasy or sports betting. What are we looking at this week? Guys, that should have all day to throw Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Trevor Lawrence. This Jacksonville Jaguars offense, they have flashed a little bit, specifically in weeks two and three, but the passing game just by, by and large hasn't been able to really blow up since then. So I still believe in some of the pieces out there. Christian Kirk has 17 targets over the past two weeks. Evan Ingram's another guy whose prices doesn't seem to change on a week-to-week basis, regardless of what he's able to go out there and make happen. So maybe this week you know, could be a winnable enough matchup where we see a Trevor Lawrence Christian Kirk and hell maybe even Travis Etienne starts catching some pass as well and I mentioned Evan Ingram so I do think there are some viable options in Jacksonville because Lawrence to be fair has been pretty good between the 20s when the situation is good I just made some boneheaded mistakes out there so still has a pretty high ceiling maybe this is the week we see him flirting with that a little bit more again some guys that will be under lots of pressure Jared Goff Justin Fields and Kirk Cousins that's my only real concern about the Vikings in this spot and I believe Chase Young is back. His practice window at least got activated, but I think he's going to be back there as well. So Washington, you know, we've seen them play some ugly, but hey, some winning games over the past few weeks. I don't think they're an atrocious team. And the Vikings, man, if we do want to start going through some of these past opponents and, you know, who exactly they have faced and how those games have gone, you know, six and one, you are, or seven and one, excuse me, now you are what your record says you are, as the, you know, Bill Parcells might say. That said, you can start looking a little bit closer and, you know, they haven't exactly been the most stellar seven and one team you have ever seen out there so i do think this could be a game where other than dalvin cook you know i'm not exactly expecting the biggest booms out of that vikings offense i think you're on mute brit it's all good though sorry i was coughing a second ago here we go uh, <laughs> yards before contact uh yeah. running backs we want them to be running free for as long as possible we don't want them getting hit in the backfield uh looks like jamal williams stands out i know you're going to talk about him in a little bit i uh I'll just say I went ahead and bet that as soon as I saw you write that up. I thought that was a standout, uh, a standout prop you're going to have in just a, a minute. What else are we looking at in terms of uh, running backs that might have a little bit wider running lanes than we might think? Yeah, Dan Campbell's latest note on DeAndre Swift was you're going to get him out there a little bit and see how he's looking. It was like the least optimistic sounding note about a running back's usage you could really ever ask for. So unfortunately, you know, in Detroit, even when Swift has missed times, they don't exactly turn over the entire backfield to Jamal Williams. We're still going to see Craig Reynolds and to a lesser extent, Justin Jackson, but 15 to 20 touches still for Jamal Williams and one of the highest implied games of the week should lead to plenty of touchdown opportunities. Also the Falcons, come on, CPAC. Get back, man. If not, Tyler Algiers should be seeing plenty of touches against a Chargers run D that just continues to not exactly be overly fixed. Also have the Jaguars popping. Travis, ETN, legit top five workload at this point needs to be treated as such and hasn't even been catching the passes yet, Britt. That's the wild thing. Over these past two weeks, 
The guy's averaging six, seven yards per carry, ripping off big plays, scoring touchdowns, so it's been fine. But he has a whole other part of his game as a receiver that they haven't even been able to tap into yet. So full PPR site like DraftKings, I feel like it's a matter of when, not if, we see ETN just explode with a 30-plus point performance. Yeah, the DraftKings running back salary scale is like flipped upside down. All the guys <laughs> that should be 8K or 6K to yep. 7K. Uh, in my opinion. We'll get to that in just a little bit when we talk DFS. Uh, all right, let's go down combined yards for drop back. Uh, you added that back in after it was missing at the beginning of the season. I know a couple of you people on YouTube were requesting it. And if you are watching live or uh, if you're checking it out on the replay, we would appreciate it if you would click the like button. And if you want alerts, not to just get this show, but every show, if you want to watch 25 hours of football content a week. You can basically get that at Roto-Grinders. Uh, click the subscribe button and you'll get uh, notifications for all of that. Uh, anyway, passing offenses looks like Miami looking pretty good on the main slate. We've got Aaron Rodgers. We've got uh, Herbert throwing a bunch of jabronis. What, which which of these offenses do you want? The Miami one, call me crazy, seems like the safest one right now. <laughs> it's looking that way, man. Just the way they condense everything around Tyreek and Waddle. I mean, I was taking an extra long look at Tyreek over six and a half receptions. There is an odd of there's an odd phenomenon going on though, Britt, with Tyreek Hill in odd number of weeks. He's not putting up uh, the big big numbers he is during even number. Got to got to fade it. Got to fade it on. Hey, that. you know, as we all know, you know, correlation always implies a uh, causation. So you know, got to keep an eye out on that. But I do think Geno Smith and the Seahawks offense is maybe a low key one that's not getting enough credit in a potential shootout against the Cardinals. I mean, last week, I know Gino didn't have the wildest counting stats, but if you watch that game, both Lockett and Marquis Goodwin dropped touchdowns, and Lockett even had a second one where he only managed to get one foot down in the end zone. So guess what? Even with that happening, Lockett and Metcalf each found their way to the end zone. We have seen this Cardinals offense improving. I know there's going to be a lot of exposure out there to DeAndre Hopkins and even Rondale Moore. So I'm not against going to one of those guys, but if you wanted to really build the stack around the Seahawks offense, this might be the week for that. Uh, we'll talk about which receiver we might want to use from that offense as well in just a little bit. Uh, let's go EPA per play uh, last night. So I, I was on these weird bets, like the, the Eagles first half had cashed every, the the spread. And of oh, course they, they missed, let, they they missed, missed the, the touchdown. Yeah, they could have had that. And then they let that touchdown in with just a, a little bit of time left. I was playing the money line with like a parlay for scores and odds. But anyway, I digress. I got one of those for the Bills we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, in terms of EPA per play, offense, defense, looks like the, the Packers are a favorite, but they look like they've got a pretty nice edge over Detroit. See, Jacksonville uh, has a nice edge over the Raiders. Anything else standing out to you? The three uh, dogs that are actually favored in this metric specifically, at least in their offensive success, the Jaguars at plus one and a half, Seahawks plus two, and the Saints plus two and a half. And I think that's pretty fair when you look at these individual matchups. I mean, the Raiders, I don't think have really proven at all that they can be this consistently great team. And I think their highs have been pretty similar to what Jacksonville has been able to pull off. You know, they're two and six record aside. And the Seahawks, again, for them to be dogs just in this division, they've been the best team in the division all season long, just still not quite getting that – enough respect i think that they deserve and the saints always a tough place you know to go to the superdome and play and on monday night football this ravens team yeah i think our full health is better than the saints but obviously they aren't 
at full health. So Lamar Jackson already been someone, man, that over these last five weeks, he's really only put together about two to four quarters of legit, you know, being able to pass the ball at a high level. Not that it's all on him, but guess what? Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews in and out of the lineup, and there's a chance both guys are going to be out here on Monday Night Football. So I do think the Ravens continuing to get the benefit of the doubt against a Saints team that, let's face it, the offense has been really damn good all season long, and the defense, while it hasn't been great, coming off their best performance of the year, blanking and giving that bagel to Derek Carr and company. So got my dogs barking in the background. That's a good sign that, you know, we got the Saints uh, going to cover that two and a half part. I'm going to go uh, find the best line on scores and odds right now and I'll make sure I get that bet in. There we go. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's wrap up your article again. If you guys want to check this out, along with everything else over Pro Football Focus, you can get a reasonably priced subscription over there for all of your reading, grades, all, all those things you want in premium stats. Uh, and Not just Ian, but the entire team at PFF uh, puts out a great product. Uh, all right, let's get to the sports bets. Uh, we'll start with... What do we got? Uh, I've got some weird parlays. Uh, let, let, let's talk about these. These are some of my favorite ones. Uh, so my sports bets in this section where um, they're either like straight bets or over-unders or some parlays to try to get you around even money. I'm 8-4 and then I have three ties. So we're doing pretty good in this one. Here's what I got for you this week. My favorite one. Uh, so is the Bills halftime full-time money line parlay. So this isn't them to win each half. So if you have this open on a sports book, don't take them to win each half. That means they score, win each half means they score more points than the Jets in each half. You want the money line. So you want them to be winning at halftime. You want them to win the game. We're going to parlay that with the Patriots because I think the Patriots are going to absolutely toast the Colts this week. They're one of my favorite bets, the spread. You can... I don't know if I like the spread. I just like them to win for sure because I'm not sure how much offense they're going to be able to put up. And maybe if you can take an alternate line to get them at two and a half and parlay that with something else. But I'm just playing the money line straight up. Uh, Bill Belichick, since 2013, rookie and second-year quarterbacks, are 4-42 four and 42 at Gillette Stadium. Now, I know that there's this guy. His name was Tom Brady. He was playing there for a while. Not sure if you guys have heard. So some of, the, some of that's on that. But And Justin Fields. He got there last week, or the, the, when he he played against the Patriots. But they're just so good against these rookie quarterbacks that I'm willing to take this trend of Bill Belichick and the Colts. They're down. They're they they knew had to know Jonathan Taylor is pretty iffy. Then they decide, ah, who cares? Let's trade away Naheem Hines. We've got Deion Jackson back there. You know, and Jackson's been pretty good. So, and I don't know, Pittman's like okay. Paris Campbell's had a couple of games. There's just not a lot of talent on that Indianapolis offense. In the Patriots, it's Ramondre Stevenson season. He's been their entire offense. Jacoby Myers, those two alone, Mac Jones, are good enough to move the ball, score a couple of points. And I, I find it really hard to see how the Colts score more than, I don't know, 14, 17 points in this game. Maybe take the under uh, in this game as well. That's not a, a play. But I, I like the Patriots quite a bit as a money line. Pair it with the Bills halftime, full-time Bills are the second highest scoring First half team in football behind only the Eagles, who tied that game uh, at halftime last week, which was a or yesterday, which was a little annoying. Uh, with the halftime full time money line from the Bills, that is my favorite bet I have going right now. I'll let you talk a couple of years, and then I got a three team money line parlay as well to get you around even money uh, to move. 
I think that's a, all pretty reasonable. And the thing about the Colts, too, like we've reached a point now where they're just grasping at straws to find something to blame other than their head coach, GM, and owner. So, you know, it's the play caller this week. Last week it was a starting quarterback. And now I guess we're getting Jonathan Taylor when I think probably the real problem is the fact that big, bad offensive line we've been told all about all of a sudden is playing like, you know, one of the league's three to five worst units. So with that said, I got four lines I'm looking at this week. I think two of here are in the Dolphins and Bears game. Checked out Kevin Roth in the West. It is yellow in Chicago, so not the biggest deal. Winds are around 15 miles per hour sustained with gusts over 20, but Kevin is saying minor impacts overall. So with that said, I think this 45 and a half mark is too small. I mean, that could be something where the Dolphins are honestly pushing into the 30s and 40s themselves the way that passing game has been grooving at their best against the Bears defense that let's face it, already kind of average to below average throughout the season. And now you take away Quinn and Roquan Smith from the equation, just a team that really has no business of trying to overly win football games this year, except now November hits Britain. They say, hey, what if we actually try to get a better read on if Justin Fields can be the guy of the future? So they bring in Chase Claypool. Like, obviously, no, no plans on doing that before November, but I guess better late than never here. That said, I mean, that Cowboys game last week, this Bears offense had more than enough opportunities to roll over and lose by 40. And they didn't. Justin Fields and company have been playing good football on the offensive side of the ball, really for the better part of the last four or five weeks. So I think the Bears, again, are probably going to lose by a good amount. I'm also taking the Dolphins minus four and a half. But both offenses, I believe, can combine enough to crack 50 with the Dolphins winning this fairly easily against the Bears team that already pretty bad and now seems to really be facing a stretch where they don't have much business winning and staying even competitive in games much moving forward. I also just really struggle to see how the Jets you're going to keep this one close against the Bills. I know you'll have your stats here in a minute, Brad, about the quarterbacks those Jets defensive face, but it's more so just we saw last week Zach Wilson managed to put up, okay, some decent enough numbers in garbage time trying to come back from behind, but I just don't know how he moves the ball against this Bills defense. They have the third highest pressure rate in the league, and they blitz less than anybody. I just think that's going to be complete nightmare fuel for Zach Wilson with a banged-up group of wide receivers. No Corey Davis, Elijah Moore still in the doghouse. Garrett Wilson can't do it all out there, and I just think that this Bills defense, honestly, like we all talk about Josh Allen as much as anyone, and we should, but they're Defense is also top three in the league, and that's going to be awfully problematic for Wilson and company. And then also I do like the Saints plus two and a half. Talked about them a little bit in the EPA section, but banged up Ravens team and a low-key pretty good Saints team. I think this should be much closer to a pick em. Yeah, then uh, Saints one I'm definitely going to bet as soon as I get off air here today. Uh, so that Bills halftime money line, Patriots to win money line, that was basically even money on any sports book. I've got a three-team parlay that's also basically even money on any sports book. Uh, it's the Patriots. I mentioned them. I like them quite a bit. The Bills and the Chiefs aren't losing this week, Ian. This is this is pretty easy. Take your take your Bills, take your Chiefs, put them. Uh, I don't think uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to end up suiting. He's a game time decision, if you ask me. Either I, I way, don't think, either way, yeah, yeah. Either way, I don't think they're going to be able to hold a candle to the Chiefs. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to slow down this Bills offense as much as some of their defensive statistics might say. We'll get into that when we talk DFS in just a little bit. And then I, I mentioned I like the Pats. I think I, I managed to find a parlay of those three at plus 100, literally even money, so better than the 110 you'll get bet, betting the spread. And uh, I'm going to add that in as one of my best bets of the week. Don't love parlays too often, but that one was just too good to pass up. I don't really like a ton of the spreads. I do like the Saints one now that you mentioned. I have bet Miami. I do like that one as well. Uh, so those would probably be two I'd be interested in, uh, but I'm going with the parlays at least for this particular section. All right. 
let's get to the props. Props. Uh, I'm in pretty good, pretty good year on the PFF show, Ian. So I'm up to 13 and six on the props. I've got three. One, so one of them has been pulled. So I'm going to add it uh, a late one. I, I got Mike Evans. I couldn't believe this. He was over 61 and a half yards on Caesars Ooh. when he was, when he was about 70 on every other book. So I, I did the two unit play on that one. If we, you know, that, that one was just too good to pass up. That looks like it's down right now. If you happen to see it on Caesars specifically at some point, make sure to check that out. But my two right now are Hopkins over 78 and a half. Uh, so I bought that yesterday. It's up to 82 and a half. I think I'm still okay taking that one. I mean, he's had 100 plus. These numbers are insane, right? 103 plus. He's either had, he's had over 103 yards in both games. He's had 13 plus targets in both games. And he's had 10 plus receptions in both of his games back. <laughs> he's the only, he's the only one that can actually catch the football on this team. Rondell Moore is just taking the dink and dunks. Everything else is going to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I'm a little worried. And I wanted to ask you too. I still like the prop. But Seattle has been low-key stingy, uh, at least in yards and fantasy points to wide receivers this year, especially on the outside. So to you, real quick, am I a dumbo for betting this? Should I take the Rondale Moore slot wide receiver ones? Because that's what's really been beating Seattle this year. I honestly think the answer is both. I mean, when DeAndre Hawkins is getting 13, 14 targets per game like he has been, I mean, I don't care who they're facing. And Seattle has been better against the outside wide receivers. But to Cliff Kingsbury credit, which, you know, we don't start sentences with those words all that often, he has been more willing to move Hopkins around the field in these two games. In week seven, he actually played 27 of his 60 snaps in the slot. And in week eight, it was 11 out of 78. So he got him back, you know, more to just usually hanging out on the uh, left side of the field last week which is always a possibility if they keep that going again. But I think both Rondale and Hopkins, again, those are the two guys where this ball is being funneled to in this offense right now. So with all due respect, that Seahawks secondary, still one of you know the highest implied games of the week. I do think both Hopkins and Rondale can get right here. All right, my other one, I did this last week. I'm going right back to it. Justin Fields over rushing yards. It was 47 and a half last week. It's 49 and a half this week. Still too low, Ian. We're going to take the over on that. They're calling designed runs. I think this offense, I like Fields as a, a GPP pivot this week in tournaments because if they're going to give him the runs, Claypool, maybe he adds some form. You know, he's got to be better than Equanimous St. Brown, right? <laughs> so he's got at least that going for him. Mooney can catch some big plays every now and then. Uh, I, I heard Colt Komet may have scored a touchdown at some point in his career. Finally, finally. <laughs> like the, things are happening for this new Chicago offense. I just think the 49 and a half is a little too low. Uh, I'm going to take the over on that. You can get that at minus 115 on MGM. And he's got 47 or more yards in seven straight. Getting to 49 and a half ain't really a big deal when you're already at 47. So I think uh, that's one. I'm going to replace my Mike Evans prop that I had earlier. Um, but that Mike Evans one, if you can get that, if it pops back up on Caesars, make sure to go check that one. Uh, what are you looking at for props this week? Yeah, I guess they're just waiting for the Julio uh, Russell Gage stuff to be finalized if it hasn't been already. But I think the Evans call is fine. Chris Goblin as well, man. He's only at 64 and a half receiving yards. I'd love to see the reception props. I mean, apparently they're just going to, if Alvin Kamara was a four and a half last week, I just don't know how to exactly guess what these are going to be. So four and a half, five and a half for Chris Goblin. I do think the over is warranted. Since Goblin came back into the lineup full time in week four, only Tyreek Hill has more total targets. So I know there's a little bit of bye week stuff 
going on in there. But fine, like, okay, add in the five guys that probably impacted him. We're still talking about a top eight target getter in the league. And guess who's tied right behind Chris Godwin? It's Mike Evans. This was an offense that we were really expecting to be more spread out with some of the additions they made and Godwin, you know, coming back from the injury and all this. But, hey, you take away the health of those additions and no, no one really replacing Gronk at too high of a level. And Godwin and Mike Evans, I think, both have chances to hit these overs fairly easily. Uh, Jamal Williams, plus 140 to score a touchdown over at Caesars. I mean, this is honestly something where just the fact it's minus 150 at BetMGM, being able to have that big of a, a line discrepancy between the two sports books, definitely fine with Williams plus 140 over at Caesars. Again, in an offense that we have seen show the ability to put up points in a hurry. Number one scoring offense through the first five weeks of the year. And even last week, man, three touchdowns in their first three drives against the Dolphins. You see how they can put up points in a hurry. And Jamal Williams, usually a big time part of that. So plus odds, plus 140, even for a touchdown. Absolutely fine with that. JD McKissick has been ruled out with a neck injury. And if you look at Antonio Gibson in those games without him, he did average four receptions per week last year. He already has two games this year with seven plus receptions. Top three running back in the league and receiving PFF grade as well as yards per route run. So if we can get this number, three and a half receptions, I think, without JD for Gibson, I will happily take that over and also would, you know, take a nice little gander at his receiving yard prop. And finally, I know the sun god's back, but no TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift mostly out of the picture. Even Josh Reynolds is someone that's playing through the pain and I don't think was able to practice the first two days of this week. So Khalif Raymond kind of has been that other guy in Detroit that we have seen getting a lot of opportunities. So if Josh Reynolds is also ruled out, I do think Khalif Raymond's someone that we could just see, you know, thrown into the mix as his backup wide receiver with you know a two and a half reception uh prop maybe a receiving yard total under 50 and if we get anything like that i will happily happily take his overs he's gonna make a lot of plays out there brett and sometimes we get these guys where a field stretching specialist like raymond and he, you know he's putting up these really good efficiency numbers i'd say deontay hardy's a similar player like that where we don't really believe it at first because they've mostly just been this gadget guy throughout their career but they're getting a full-time opportunity now at least raymond is and again in this potential shootout with the lions and packers i I think more than just a Monroe St. Brown can put up some decent numbers. All right. I just checked. I didn't see the no Antonio Gibson line or Khalif Raymond yet either. So yeah. uh, that was live. I was hoping they would come in before the show was, but keep it's uh keep an eye on those. So this is even better. It's like, cause if it does come out and you're able to spot it right away, you get the first shot at the best line. So make sure to keep an eye on some of those things Ian was talking about. Uh, that's going to do it for the sports betting segment. Uh, we've been pretty hot in the show. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, unload the clip on some of the, well, not, I guess not the clip, but to put, put a unit on all of these because Jeez, we've, been, we've been doing it's it pretty good. Yeah. We're, we're going, we're going, uh, we're going big on the props. This year. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get to the DFS portion. We're going to talk quarterback. We mentioned Josh Allen, right? So he quarterback is a little, if he played the Thursday through Monday slate, you can play Patrick Mahomes against Tennessee, right? That makes it pretty easy in my opinion, but so this week, it's Josh Allen and everybody else. And I'm okay playing Josh Allen even against this vaunted Jets defense who's just shut out opponent after opponents because they have shut out. Are you ready, Ian? Get, get ready. They have shut out Lamar Jackson in week one. All right. So I think Lamar had a pretty good game that I don't exactly recall. Other than that, Jacoby Brissett, Trubisky and Pickett. That was the game Pickett came in. Skylar Thompson, hey, Aaron Rodgers in London. I like Scott. Brett Ribian and Mac Jones. I mean, this is what the Jets defense has played. I don't think you've had an easier quarterback schedule. I'm willing to toss 
Josh Allen into a cash team this week, mainly because the the low you're, the low end's like a Tom Brady. There's Kyler Fields. Murray. You could play Aaron Rodgers or Geno Smith, but I don't know. I'm still I think I'm going to ride with Josh Allen this week. Why not Justin Fields? Five point three. You're taking the I think, over. All those I think nice you things could, said about him. I don't hate it, but I don't know. I, I, I feel lot. a little more comfortable with Allen. I will just say. If you do that, you're going to have to sacrifice getting up to any big, really wide receiver. We have enough 6K running backs that we're not going to be overly, you know, overspending at that spot, even like Deion Jackson on because that 5.2K. So you don't need to spend up at running back, but. When you look at wide receiver, man, I don't hate that low 5K range with guys like Josh Palmer, Rondale Moore and stuff, but I just think it comes down to your preference between being able to get up more to the 6, 7K wide receivers or being able to go up to Josh Allen. So I think it's reasonable. I do think those are the two quarterbacks that should be between Josh Allen and Justin Fields, who, again, four straight weeks as a top 12 quarterback. The Dolphins, you know, they play this pretty high-risk game where, yeah, Adam Bradley Chubb into the mix. Maybe he's out there immediately, but I wouldn't expect their pressure to get that great overnight if he's going to only be playing limited snaps in his first week there, which I think would make sense. So with that, you get a secondary that still only has Zayvon Howard, both Byron Jones and Nick Needham, you know, still dealing with eight, with their Achilles issues. And just Justin Fields having that rushing floor, having an offense that we've seen at least resemble average over the last few weeks like that's fair not amazing but also not the worst in the league like we thought they could be justin fields i don't think has any business being freaking priced below taylor heineke like are you kidding me what kind of disrespect is this for justin fields so i hear you on josh allen but i just think that fields 5.3k man like what is going on here matthew stafford's 300 more like i really think that justin fields you could argue is a thousand dollars too cheap on DraftKings this week yeah, I got feel from in the tournaments because if you play them in cash and it doesn't end up, let's if it doesn't go well, mm-hmm. you're really behind the eight ball to the Josh Allen teams. I think if Josh Allen is a big game, and I don't even know if you're the, the wide receivers and running backs are, are putting up such big scores that maybe you can, but I, I think I'm just a little bit more comfortable with Allen. But Fields is coming in, it looks like two, three percent on our ownership this week. Looks pretty juicy. And if this offense has any form of life in the passing game, which I think it has a little bit more than it did to start the season, along with his running upside, that looks pretty good from a tournament perspective. You don't even have to stack him with anybody. I think you could run him with nobody and just take the pick of the litter at the wide receiver position. Maybe you you find a way to get Austin Eckler in there who might catch 15 passes this week, right? You do something like that, an interesting way to do it. And the other guy's Brady. looks like he's coming in just a little bit too low. Uh, we mentioned Evan, mentioned Godwin. I've hit the top pretty over pass yards. This Rams defense is nothing to be scared about anymore. They don't get any pressure. Uh, I think Brady's going to go over the 300 yards, and he needs to do that on a site like DraftKings. The touchdowns haven't really been there this year. I'm calling that a little fluky. You give him 300, give him three touchdowns, he's on his way to a GPP winning performance at a reasonable price tag and ownership this week. So that's what I was looking at from a tournament. I, I'm sure you're on fields in a tournament. Anyone else you were really looking at? Yeah, I think uh, the whole idea behind Brady and well, honestly what we've seen with Tua blowing up a lot of these weeks, you know, just having these offenses with putting up a lot of numbers really with two wide receivers leading the way. So I think Evans and Goblin, again, I mentioned those target totals before. They certainly qualify him. I'm not going to get off this Bengals offense just because of one bad week against Miles Garrett and company. So I do think Joe Burrow is someone that really no one's paying attention to. And for him to be home against a Panthers defense, that is fine. But come on, when Burrow, Higgins, and even Tyler Boyd without Jamar, 
Jamar Chase are clicking. I don't think really anyone can slow them down, let alone a Panthers secondary that I just, you know, I'm not overly afraid of those guys who are trotting out there. Brian Burns and company, I think, are the strength of that defense in the front seven, not so much in the back end. So Higgins and Boyd with Burrow, I think, makes a lot of sense. And similar sentiment with Geno Smith, as we talked about. I mean, it's a guy that just keeps on putting up top 10, even top five numbers, and we continue to just pretend like it's not even happening for the most part. So Geno Smith with DK Metcalf with Tyrell Lockett. Once again, we're looking at an explosive, really good passing game that we've seen time and time again just getting ignored in a matchup that, hey, I mean, Arizona, we have Byron Murphy out there doing some good things from week to week, but still hasn't been someone consistently shadowing. He didn't do it last week. So I think, I mean, sorry, he didn't do it against this uh, team in their first matchup. So again, Geno, Lockett, and Metcalf, one of the least more explosive passing games, whether you you know expecting it to happen this way or not. And uh, I do think they're going to be going under own this week just because you can see, Britt, just with all the value in that six, five and six K range are running back and even wide receiver. I do think if you can just move up just a bit from that and get these more expensive guys, but have more of a rags to riches approach this week might be the move in tournaments. All right, let's go to running back. Speaking of the six K range, let's play a rank them for everybody here, right? So we've got... This is at least on DraftKings I'm looking at. Joe Mixon, 6,500. Ramondre Stevenson, it doesn't look like Damian Harris is going to play. And if he does, it's going to be extremely limited in my opinion. 6,200. Travis Etienne season is 6,300. Who you got between these three? These are the three cash game running backs for sure, in my opinion. They're workhorse, PPR, every down. Uh, I won't say explosive in Joe Mixon's case. <laughs> that really hasn't really worked out. You need the volume with him. But it's up against Carolina. We'll see how that plays out. I think he's certainly in the mix here. I don't know. You have a favorite between these, or th these just look like the clear three guys. The other guy I would mention, if you did go with something cheap somewhere else, Austin Eckler looks like a banana spot for him in terms of receptions. Do, have you looked at his receiving game log over his past couple of games, Ian? It's three straight with 10. Yeah, right. <laughs> 12 receptions, 12 targets, 16 targets, 10 receptions in his past two games. It's It's ridiculous. And now they're down Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. What, like, this dude is insane in a PPR scoring format. He's the one guy I wouldn't mind getting up to, but I just don't think you need to with this middle range 6K. We've got three, four, five workhorses in this range, not even to mention Deion Jackson now, who's 5,200, now going up against the Patriots. Uh, maybe I'll throw a little cold water on that, but, I mean, he's going to be getting plenty of work if you needed a, a cheaper option. We did have a rap sheet come out and say that Eckler getting added to the injury report with that abdomen is believed to be just a little more precautionary and not that serious of an issue. So that'd be my only concern with Eckler. But that also could be the reason why his ownership won't be what it should be in a spot like this. So GPPs, especially for Eckler, I think makes sense. But no, I think you hit it with the three original guys. And those are the three I have in the cash game build right now. And I don't think there's much of a reason to go up or down from that. I mean, again, mixing at just 6.5, slap into face for someone that's still top three in the league in terms of expected PPR points per game. Mentioned before how ETN, he's been doing this just out of sheer rushing efficiency. And once he starts catching passes, it really isn't going to be fair. And we could see him as someone with a price tag, you know, really creeping into that 8K range before too long. And then finally with Ramondre, especially if Damon Harris is out. But even if not, man, Ramondre is going to be someone that is just out there catching all the passes, which is what we're looking for. And even last week with Harris in there, taking up 40% of the snaps, 
it was still Stevenson actually leading the way in terms of carries as well. So those are the big three for me with Kenneth Walker. It's just more of a, hey, we do have Homer and DJ Dallas there. He's not a complete guarantee should the Seahawks fall behind uh, to be getting all of those, you know, check downs and two minute drill stuff. So just that's the only differentiator for me with Walker and these guys. But it's wild, man, because, you know, Josh Jacobs is only up there a little bit more at 7.3 as well. I mean, we don't even need to talk really about Deontay Foreman now, fresh off of three touchdowns, even with no Chubo Hubbard. Like, you know, and any other week, he'd be certainly a cash game viable. And not saying he's not, but again, between ETN, Stevenson, and Mixon, you could argue those are three of just like top five, six raw projected running backs of the week. And they're all available for 6,500 or less. So I'm happy going with those three in the cash build. Yeah. What about in tournaments? Uh, I know one guy I'm looking at to, uh, I'll bet the, to lead the week in rushing yards, right? So one guy I'm looking at for that is Aaron Jones uh, against Detroit. He's plus 1,700 on DraftKings. I threw a couple of bucks on that one. Don't mind that. Uh, It just really hasn't been. The chalk running backs have been going so bananas. You got to have these guys. I'm fine playing them. It is the one position in tournaments where you're generally okay playing the highest-owned position players because when you get – 20 rushes and seven targets or in Austin Eckler's case is 15 rushes and 16 targets. Good, good things happen. And it's very hard to fail in those circumstances. Um, Anyone specific you were looking at, at the running back position. I think Gibson without J.D. McKissick makes a lot of sense. He's all of a sudden going to be someone out there. And he started over Brian Robinson last week. So they still found a way to get Robinson plenty involved. Now, I'm not saying that Gibson is going to work too far ahead of him on the early downs. But that said, man, I do think Gibson profiles is someone that should see 10 to 12 carries and five-plus targets. And if we're just getting that amount of workload for someone that really does seem to be going under the radar still because of all that value in the 6K range, definitely don't forget about Antonio Gibson there just at 5.5K. Uh, Dalvin Cook, just by virtue of I think there being a lot, so many good options, like a little bit cheaper than Dalvin, or people are going all the way up for Eckler. So, hey, it's Dalvin Cook. We know that 100, 200 yard and multiple touchdown upside is always on the table. I mean, last week, Britt, we were able to get on Derrick Henry because it was just like, hey, this is a week where Derrick Henry is not being shown a bunch of love from the public. So, what do we do in those situations? We play Derrick Henry, and you can make a similar argument about Dalvin Cook as well. And finally, Look at these 6K running backs. There was one guy that's being ignored of above all else, and that's Leonard Fournette at 6.6K. We seem to be expecting, you know, the Buccaneers to get back on track scoring. And yeah, I'm with you, but who's to say that's not going to be Leonard Fournette finding his way into the end zone? We keep waiting and wanting a Rashad White takeover to happen. But honestly, it's I think it's just people annoyed because they have Rashad White on their fantasy bench. If you look at these guys' performance, it's not Zeke and Pollard or even Montgomery and Herbert where, like, the backup's averaging an extra two yards per carry over the starter like Fournette's been more efficient than Rashad White on the ground they've always trusted him more in the past game as well and accordingly Fournette's had a top six workload in the NFL in terms of expected PPR points per game so not saying that you know Fournette deserves to be played ahead of those other running backs but because of that very reason he's going to be the guy getting the least ownership in that group and as we know he always has that multi-touchdown upside so I'm, I'm really liking Fournette this week Britt you know I unfortunately if I uh if I choose to helicopter the guy it's going to mess up his entire week and causing the dud but man just again out of that group this is an under-owned running back that's not again he's not going to be chalk at all because of everyone around him he's going to see five plus targets probably 15 plus carries and we know it's an offense overdue to make stuff happen so maybe aaron donald 
just completely eats the entire run game there. But again, Fournette, we've seen the ability throughout the year. He has been scoring more touchdowns. It's Buccaneers offense gets right. The receivers are going to get right, but so will Fournette even to a higher extent. All right, let's go to the wide receiver position. And we're going to play, I've got a bunch of questions for Ian, and he's going to try to answer them for me. Because this week, I don't know if there's any must-have guys. I know DJ Moore looks pretty good. Sun God. Yeah, the Sun God. There's a, a couple guys. I'm going to play through, at least from our ownership projections, some this guy or that guy, or some basic questions on a, on a couple of players in different price tiers. Uh, first, I want to start with the Chargers guys. So, right, they're down Keenan Allen. They're down Mike Williams, and we're going to be running out. Uh, who do we got out here? We've got Palmer, Carter, and Bandy. <laughs> yeah, so, like, what are we doing in the mix with some of these guys? Josh Palmer, who's, you know, he's done it a little bit, um, hasn't been as great as I think many of us wanted him to be so far for DFS when you, we've used him. We've got Michael Bandy showing up as one of the highest-owned receivers currently. I know our our projection team did this. Last night was the last update, but if they update it and he remains at the top, I guess I'll be sure to shocked, but he's 3,500 and that lets you, I guess that lets you play the Josh Allen, the 6K running backs, get a expensive wide receiver in there, right? I, I, I understand that. What do you like with them? I think my favorite Chargers receiver without question is Austin Eckler, if you can get him. And I like the tight end Gerald Everett for sure, but 4,800 for Gerald Everett might not be able to swing that. So break down these Charger wide receivers, are they worth the roster this week? Hey, matchup, again, Falcons defense, that wasn't even good when they were healthy. And A.J. Terrell, once again, now Casey Hayward still on the IR. So it's a situation where we're getting backup corners from one of the worst secondaries in the league in terms of PPR points per game allowed from the position. So I do think Palmer deserves to be the highest rated guy. You don't have to jam him in here. I mean, I probably would say that both Rondale Moore and Jacoby Myers, even with these injuries, have higher target floors than what Josh Palmer's working with. So I'm with you in terms of if we have the room, which, hey, again, going from Josh Josh Allen to Justin Fields gives us a little bit more of this flexibility. I do think Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler more than anybody stand out as the guys to get from this offense. So I'd be more than willing to pivot off of Palmer to someone like Jacoby Myers in that low price range and then just kind of deal with the rest because at the top of the scale, man, I don't see myself like needing to get up the cup or Justin Jefferson or even, you know, Hill and Diggs. We still have Devontae Adams there. We have Hopkins obviously doing his thing. And even down to his 6K range, Amon Ross St. Brown, absolute target hog who we saw go off early in the season with Hawkinson and Swift. And now guess what? They're gone again. And the sun God himself is healthy. And we saw him last week be able to put together another wide receiver to finish. So sun God right there, Tyler Boyd, just 6.3, Chris Goblin, 6.2. I don't think we need to go all the way down to Bandy and play these kind of risky guys because, again, there's so much mid-tier volume out here. So for right now, the three guys I'm kind of leaning towards are Jacoby Myers, the Sun God at 6.6K, and then probably trying to get up to Devontae Adams at 8.1. But if I am going up to Gerald Everett at tight end, I probably have to settle a little bit more for a Chris Godwin or a Tyler Boyd. And again, I'm fine with that. So Josh Palmer, I, I see the pathway of success and everything. That said, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if Bandy or even DeAndre Carter end up getting those targets. Or to your original point, it just ends up being the Eckler and Gerald Everett show. So I think there are enough really good options elsewhere that aren't like you know wide receiver three wide receiver four is getting shoved into a starting role that i just don't even think we need to worry about that it's much harder to try to figure out the backups coming up into the starting lineup at wide receiver and tight end than it is a running back 
If you did have the money to spend up, you have a preference between Hill or Diggs this week. I mean, Hill's performance last week when everyone was using him was absolutely legendary. Uh, Diggs against this Jets defense. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I know um, uh, Gardner has been playing pretty good, but again, the quarterbacks they faced uh, pretty laughable. And Gardner doesn't shadow, so it's not – I mean, he'll see plenty of Stefan Diggs, I think, but it's not going to be like this 100% matchup rate or anything like that. I still got to give the nod to Tyree Kill. This dude's caught seven passes in all but one game this year, and that did come against that Bills secondary. So, you know, kudos to what they were able to do there. But, man, just there's no other receiver in the league that's being used like Tyree Kill right now. He's getting 160 yards like freaking clockwork out there. So I would give Hill the edge just because we've seen games where he really doesn't have it going early and even like downfield too is missing some throws and you look up in the third quarter and the guy's already got six or seven catches because mike mcdaniel is willing to design those plays for him uh, all right dj moore also 5800 you cool with that in the one of your mid-tier wide receivers Absolutely, man. And again, I said this last week, it was a situation where we had a banged up secondary and that extra volume now coming DJ Moore's way and also PJ Walker giving us passable quarterback play. So what was wild last week was DJ, we got the 150 yards and a touchdown. He was also like a top three wide receiver in unrealized air yards. There were two other opportunities in that game where they could have scored DJ Moore and PJ Walker just couldn't quite connect. So that's always a possibility. It's not an offense I expect to score 34 points week in and week out. But now with this bad Bengals secondary. I mean, Chidobia Wuzier and Eli Apple both out for this one. So they're missing both of their starting cornerbacks. Still no CMC or Robbie Anderson take away the targets from DJ Moore. I think 5.8K still someone that's just not being given enough respect given the new uh, situation and also the great matchup. All right. A couple GPP wide receiver plays. These are just really easy swerves off the high on running backs. You got Higgins or Boyd for Joe Mixon. You've got Jacoby Myers, Stevenson. You've got Christian Kirk slash Evan Ingram for Travis Etienne. Easy game. Very, very easy swerves off the high on running backs, and you'll get all those wide receivers at like a third or a quarter of the ownership that the running backs are going to end up this week. So that's where I was looking at. What, what are you at? You got anyone standing out for a big performance for cheap? I would just also throw Zay Jones into the Jaguars mix. He's out there every bit as much as he always pops in the Roto Grinders projections. And I, I, I look at it and I know the team's good. And I, I just, I cross it off. I don't do it. <laughs> he, he gave us a couple. Again, it was one of those things where Lawrence, week two and week three, are like the only two really good games he's played this year. And it wasn't a coincidence that that was kind of when Zay Jones was popping off as well. So, only other kind of cheapish guys. I think Curtis Samuel's an interesting spot here without JD McKissick. I'm assuming a lot of that will go to Gibson, but not necessarily. Curtis Samuel who has nine carries over the past two weeks. And yes, Terry McLaurin has been the one booming, but just a two-week sample size. Still no Jahan Dotson. I'm not even sure if Diami Brown's going to be back as well. So Curtis Samuel, just 5.2K. I think he's in a position where because he's right around Jacoby, Rondale, and Josh Palmer, he's going to go under the radar. Um, again, mentioned earlier with Khalif Raymond. So if Josh Reynolds is out, I'm also in on Raymond at just 4K this week. And I think the cheapest guy you could go down to and actually feel somewhat good about it is Tyquan Thornton at 3.3K with no Devontae Parker in the picture. So Patriots should be going mostly through Jacoby Myers, but Tyquan Thornton is one of these guys that should get the deep balls and even scheme him up a couple of rush attempts. And at just 3.3K, he's someone that's going to be out there for almost every single snap. So I just don't think that he's uh, someone that needs to actively be you know too worried about because it's not like we're just hoping for one or two targets. I do think he should see five to seven out there yeah i know that the colts have been pretty awesome against wide receivers this year i believe they have allowed the fewest ppr points per game to opposing wide receivers 
That said, I don't really think that Stefan Gilmore, like, look, all due respect to Tyquan Thornton, but I'd be very surprised if they actively go out of their way to shadow him with Stefan Gilmore. And the same goes for Jacoby Myers. He should be fine from the friendly confines of the slot. So I think Gilmore will stick to the side and probably be pretty fine doing that, giving both Thornton and Jacoby Myers good opportunities to uh, go make their go make their money. All right, let's round this out with a tight end position. Uh, I think we're going mid-tier or cheap. There's really no high-end options anyway. So the guys I'm looking at, maybe I'm looking a little different than what the ownerships are looking at. Uh, I'm looking at Evan Ingram. I think he's just a little bit too cheap, getting a high target floor right now. Uh, people are looking at uh, Tanyan for Green Bay. I don't know. I think I'd rather play Evan Ingram for, I think he's even cheaper than that. Uh, and then I'm looking at Hurst from Cincinnati. Like the specifically Ingram and Hurst look like they should be reasonably good target hogs in their particular matchups this week. And if you have the money, Gerald Everett is by far and away my favorite tight end uh, should get plenty of targets, trusted option for Justin Herbert, other than Austin Eckler, uh, the one chargers receiver slash tight end. I would certainly put my money behind this week. Who are you? No, I agree. If you got the money, just go ahead and get up to Gerald Everett and call it a day from right there. So I think that's plenty reasonable. If you don't, though, the absolute most disgusting one that I will not be going down to, but I feel like I'm obligated to say it, is uh, Brock Wright, the new Lions tight end one at the Stone Cold Men, 2.5K. So all you need is you know, that one goal line touchdown, hopefully, or even just catch three passes, and it's tough to complain about that. We do have Cam Brate out once again, and Kate Otten's been playing a full-time role in Tampa Bay. So I agree. If you're going down that cheap Evan Ingram at 3.3k like I'm not going to mess around with Otten when I only need to go up 200 for Ingram but even in tournaments I think Otten's going to be someone not getting a ton of respect and if Brady's going to finally boom in this passing game don't be afraid to go to the lesser owned parties in Otten and also Leonard Fournette as discussed earlier so only other guy I want to highlight for GPP purposes is Dawson Knox maybe those outside cornerbacks for the Jets are for real but maybe Josh Allen keeps on putting up all sorts of points that could be a game where we see Dawson Dawson Knox get back to scoring a couple touchdowns. He has been someone that's starting to get a little bit healthier. I believe he was able to score last week, and last year we did see the booms from time to time. So Dawson Knox, you know, he stands out as one of those boomer bust tight ends who we know is going to flirt with the bagel from time to time, but also flirt with giving us a couple touchdowns. So perfect type of guy to go ahead and roster in GPP. All right. Anyone else from the tournament perspective? I mean, tight end, you can throw darts on a lot of people. There's yeah. no one... Our highest projected fan, raw fantasy points is just under 12. This is just from the Roto-Grinders projections. And that's Kyle Pitts, which is – that's uh, it's always very questionable. I know he got there last week, but we'll see on that. I would just say with Tyler Higby, someone I'm seeing a lot of projected ownership for, just remember, people, like – this year in the first six, seven games, and then in 2020 at the end, like those were the two stretches where Higby was putting up his most points. I don't think it was a coincidence. Those are also the two worst stretches we've ever really seen from Sean McVay in this Rams offense. So they're, they don't game plan and go into these weeks like, hey, we need to get Tyler Higby 10 targets. I think it's been an effect of just showing how bad they've been with so much of their offense going through Tyler Higby. So I'm not saying he can't be this, you know, top 10, top 12 option the rest of the season. But really, when you see where Higby is, price like I, I just and, and 3.7 isn't the most expensive or anything I just really I, I wouldn't assume he's just a lead option amongst these other guys just because of some of those numbers he put up if anything he's one of the worst performing tight ends this year because he should have based on the volume he's gotten got put up even more ridiculous numbers I would not expect that ridiculous volume to be there for him though uh, in the second half of the year the same way it was in the first all right that's going to wrap it up for the week nine edition of the pro football focus show here on Roto-Grinders 
Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Please click the like button on YouTube on way out. Give us a review on whatever podcast service you like. Ian, it's been fun. I'll see you next week, dude. For Ian, I'm Britt. Thanks for watching, and we out ya.